You're listening to Sports Sunday with Chris Bibona and Annie O'Donnell on 101.5 KOCI. It is 4 o'clock even on your Sunday afternoon, October 10th, 2021. A lot of zeros in the dates here. We just had Sam Holt for the Fantasy Football Fix on the show here. A lot of good advice. I, I... Sometimes I'm a little selfish. I tailor the questions towards some of the players that I have some stake in. But regardless, always great advice. I think it's very, like, I try to have some general ones if there's, like, struggling league league managers, new people in fantasy, whatnot. And I just wanted to touch base one more time on some of the football stuff. Also, Annie, we have to do that quarterback trivia thing. Oh, boy. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Trivia. I know know it it is trivial. It's It's hard. trivia. But, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Cardinals, hard, yes. Cardinals still leading the 49ers 10 to 7. Cardinals have the ball at the 50. Again, eight minutes left in the fourth there. Cowboys, they're going to beat the Giants. They're blowing them out. None of the starters are in for the Giants. They're either hurt or taken out. Chargers still trailing the Browns in a really big blowout. It is 42 35 Browns in SoFi. Three minutes left in the fourth, but the Chargers do have the ball on their, on the Cleveland 9, it looks like. That might be a glitch because I don't think that is right. But anyway, the Bears, two minutes left in the fourth quarter there, leading 17-9. to nine. Justin Fields looks like he's going to get another win as the starter. All right, Sam. Or any. <laughs> I knew what you meant. It's yes, all good. I knew what you no meant. hard feelings. No hard feelings. No, not at all. Not at all. I'll remember <laughs> it forever. It's like the classic thing. Like It's like the classic meme like the, where you like text like a girl, like the wrong name, like drunk. And it's just like, oh, like he's, well, he's got to take the L. It's yeah, like, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to hold this, my bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, it's only up from there. All right. So I saw this on like Instagram and it really blew up. I saw it multiple places too, different media taking different takes on this. So it's, it's a really impossible game. It's who would you rather build your team around? And then you have to rank them in order. Some of them phrase it as who is going to be your quarterback for 10 years, I think. Building your team around is kind of the same language around that. So that is what we'll roll with. Who is going to be your franchise quarterback from now until they just simply cannot play and produce anymore? And so the list of names is Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen. I just Let's just go one person to one person. You do a whole list, and then I'll do my whole list. Then we'll touch base at the end. Okay. The only way I was going to be able to do this was I have to take the young guys that don't have a lot of playoff experience right now and put them near the bottom, which I know is not the way you did it. I already knew that was not going to be the way you were going to do it, which is why I went with it anyway. So I'm putting Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray at the bottom for now. This is a today thing if it started today. Because I want to see what they can do in the playoffs. I want to see how they mature and grow within their NFL careers a little bit more. Then I'm going, and I uh, this was very hard for me to do, but I'm going Dak Prescott at number three. And okay. this is, I want to preface this by saying none of these guys are bad. This is never like, oh, we're not ranking best to worst. We're just thinking about guys you build your team around here. And at number two, I'm going Lamar. because I'm, Maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm not, but you... Unanimous MVP. He's a guy that I just think he's still, we still have yet to unwrap all of what Lamar Jackson can do. And part of that is being, you know, I love the weapons that the Ravens have right now, but they could be better. And I think if you surround Lamar with the right pieces, we can really see him flourish, especially over the next 10 years. And number one, I mean, you got to go with Josh Allen. He's the guy that's really performed up to that expectation. The Bills have committed themselves to him. And that's a system where you see that they have built solely around Josh Allen. And it's really starting to pay off for them. Obviously, they have an AFC championship appearance to go off of that. And they're going to they're gonna go to a Super Bowl while they have Josh Allen as their quarterback. I have no doubt about that. I'll, I will gladly put money on that. So that is my order. Josh Allen at number one, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and then bottom, we'll put the young guys, Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. Okay, wow. Wow. It's going to be like a reverse prism here. It's, 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 I knew it was going to be. Yeah, I knew so, it. Yeah, yeah, so you, great job. It. Great job. We're like, this is, we're building chemistry. Like, I just like literally called you the wrong name, but like, as much, we're, listen, we're, we're still, Chris, as much as I love it when we have the exact same brackets and the exact same draft picks as we've had before, we got to, we got to spice it up <laughs> a little bit here. We got to bring the spice rack a little early. You know right, what I'm saying? So I'm just going to make sure I have like, 
good distance and I could defend myself right now. So I'm staying a little bit like far away, but I know you're going to put Lamar. Lamar's. I know you're putting Lamar last. I knew you were. (laughs) I knew it. Lamar Jackson, no hesitation, is the last on this list. Then you this. Then it's hard because I I love Kyler Murray. But I just – the other names are just a little bit more enticing to me and I think if I'm going to make a long-term investment and I, I've set up my Charles Schwab account, I'm getting into stocks more. So I'm getting into like – just like just like managing, managing my risk. Charles Schwab yeah, it's like I'm, I'm managing risk a little bit and I'm – this is, this is like your ETFs that you're going to hold on. This is like Microsoft. This is Apple, Tesla, stuff you're going to hold on forever. This is not like vaccine type stuff that you're going to go in and out of really quick. This is stocks that you're holding for – decades at a time so i don't know about kyler murray's long-term health and like how he's going to hold up as a mobile quarterback so if you see a theme here with the last two on my list lamar jackson kyler murray it makes sense and then surprise surprise number three is the third most mobile quarterback josh allen i think that he might at his like prime at his best he's probably the best quarterback in terms of arm strength ability to roll out of the pocket making good reads but I just don't see the consistency there, and so that's why he's three. And then the two other quarterbacks topping off my list, I think I could, I would be happy with either of these guys leading my franchise. You have Dak, Dak Prescott, who before the compound fracture he suffered last year was going to win MVP. He led in passing for two weeks after his injury, not playing. That's how far ahead he was in the game. Already come out in 2021, amazing year so far. They just blew out division rival. New York Giants, I mean, that's not really too impressive, but had that game in week one against the Bucks, went toe-to-toe with Brady, has won those close games, beat the guy who's number one on my list, who really I have gotten, I have the pleasure of being able to watch Justin Herbert on TV to see the, see the reads he makes, to see the throws and the touch passes. That's what really impresses me about Justin Herbert for a guy who's so young. His sophomore year, coming off the offensive rookie of the year, he works so hard. He's so humble. This guy is just total key to himself, literally the president of the fishing club back in middle school. He's that type of guy, but he just brings such talent and such a unique I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Like a vision and a mentality towards how he plays quarterback. I just love the throws he makes, the reads he makes at such a young age. I feel like if I'm making a 10-year investment at least, Justin Herbert is going to be that guy. He has kind of that five-tool set, quote-unquote, where he could. He has legs, he has great arm strength, great accuracy. I, was, I would arguably say that he has the best accuracy of the five quarterbacks on this list. And he's done all of that on a subpar offense. Maybe they're at no, no. I won't do that to the Chargers. They have a good offense, but I think the team is subpar. Maybe the coaching is young and needs a little bit of work, a little bit of chemistry. So he's been able to succeed with that. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, amazing rosters, amazing coaches. Haven't been really, in my opinion, haven't been able to do what Herbert's done with what he has in front of him. No, I think honestly, I think this is a list where you've got five quarterbacks that are worthy of being you build around them franchise guys so I really don't think there's any particularly wrong order just depending on how you approach it and how you know maybe your preferred way of playing the game of football on an offensive way but I I respect it I respect it it's no it's tough and like I kind of said Lamar fifth because I, I knew I knew you did. I didn't want to piss you off a I little know, bit, but like, like Kyler Murray could be in that five spot, but you know, I'll spice things up for the radio. And I respect what Lamar's done. Obviously, I think that he is so criminally underrated when it comes to being a passer. This guy has like a handful of perfect passer rating games. Guys yeah. on this, I don't think some of the guys on this list have a perfect passer rating game at all. But Lamar Jackson has multiple, and we know he could run like no other. The 100-yard games he's had. Absolutely. And they, they cherry-pick these these images and the stats of he's he hasn't thrown for over so-and-so yards. 300 and, yards. Yeah, yeah for, only threw it once. Yeah. That's, that was that big thing against Jalen Hurts. And you know, that's the thing where I really respect about Lamar is he knows who he is. He knows how he wants to play the game of football, how he's most effective to play that game of football. Can he improve on some things? Yes, every I think every quarterback can. But he doesn't 
conform to the media and what the talking heads at ESPN try to tell him he needs to be. Because at the end of the day, they're going to find a problem with how he plays the game anyway. There's going to be, like you said, some cherry-picked stat where he's not doing enough of this. He's not elite enough in this area. So at the end of the day, if you know you're not going to please everybody, which as an NFL quarterback, you know you're not going to please everybody. There's haters. Patrick Mahomes has haters. Tom Brady has haters. Joe Montana still has haters to this day. So he's probably taking it and saying, yo, like, people have a problem with the way I, I live, the way the way I talk, the way I play the game regardless. May as well do what works for me and what works best for my football team. And, uh, you know, I've spoken about it before. You know, John Harbaugh and the Ravens have full investment and full trust in Lamar to be their quarterback leading forward, and it completely shows. 100%. One last thing on this list of guys. I want to know how many Hall of Famers are between these five names. Just looking at it, scanning it, and putting together what they've already accomplished, maybe the trajectory they are on, I'm going to go ahead and say they're that... Three of the five will make it to the Hall of Fame. What, what number? What number do you have in mind? That's. I know it's hard. It's almost that's impossible. Hard. You got two a guy. <laughs> Justin Herbert's second season here. <laughs> it's not supposed to be easy. Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, for Dak, I. I think for me, why are you? What are you? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins just got a touchdown in fantasy. I'm already oh, beautiful. Him out, I got D Hop on my there team too. High five for High five for DeAndre Hopkins. Um. I mean, it's a pet. I, I think a big, and it shouldn't be a big part of it, but I do think a big part of it is how many of the, how many Super Bowls do we have? Are we going to have on this list within the next 10 years? I, I see two at least. At least two. Because I think one person could make it without the Super Bowls, and that's going to be Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right? Right? He doesn't need it. No, he'll get it. Yeah. I think he'll get it. Especially, uh, Maybe not this year, but next year you get guys healthy, you get you know his weapons back his, to full strength. We'll see what, I mean, just the fact that they've been able to win the games they've had without their RB1 and RB2 is just absolutely incredible. But Hall of Famers, uh, this is so, it's, it's so early. Like these yeah. guys, who's the oldest? Dak Prescott's the oldest <laughs> guy on this list. And he was drafted 2016, I want to say fourth round. And I was going to say he's 27 yeah. years old, 26, 27 yes. years old. Uh, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to say four. Four. I think so. Four. Who's the one that misses? Dak, I think we have the Dak same. Prescott. Oh, really? <laughs> Dak Prescott. Really? So, Cal- you think the Cowboys not going to make it? I mean, like, I don't see the Cowboys winning a Super Bowl. Right. Not with the team they have right now. Because the the ones I do see winning it are Josh Allen with the the Bills. Because I yes. just think they they have a, a great system. They work and they're just a competitive franchise, and they know how to build a team. And I think that they'll click one day. And obviously, with Tom Brady, uh, the exodus of the AFC, no. Uh, what is it, the East, the AFC East, I think that they really have a chance to run that division and make those appearances, and one of them is going to click one of these days, and then I would say the other one's going to be Dak. I I just, he's he's the real deal, and I think depending on how Ezekiel Elliott, he transforms his game and how he adjusts, I think, and Tony Pollard too, they, they, they're going to click. And I, I, I said before this year that this was the year where they have the young receiving core, Amari Cooper, C.D. Yeah. Lamb, and then the, Dak is in, in his prime, really, and so is Zeke, and it's going to click. It just comes down to the defense in the end. and Their defense has been very good this yeah. year. Was it Tra- was Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs? Diggs? Trayvon Diggs. So, he has five picks. May, I, I think he'll... He might have one today. I don't know yet, but... I'm sure he does. Against, I'm sure yeah. he does. It's, odds are he does. Yeah. At least one. <laughs> and then, yeah, Herbert, Murray, and Lamar. Like, Lamar's half and half for me, but then Herbert and Murray, I don't think so. It'll be interesting to see how the Cardinals do this year and if they can stay hot as well as they have. I don't think they'll go undefeated the entire year. That's just really hard to do. I know we've spoken about that before, how we don't think we'll ever see that again, going from the regular season through the playoffs undefeated to win the Super Bowl. But um, should they make a playoff appearance, uh, we'll see how they do. But I like what they've been building out there. I think they've got got a lot of good pieces there, and uh, we'll see what can happen. But Kyler Murray, I've just been so impressed with him. Absolutely. All right, we have to go to break because Michael J. Duarte is going to join us on the phone literally right now. So coming back, Dodgers, Michael J. Duarte, he was at the game, NLDS. He'll be on the phone with us when we come back. This is Sports Sunday on 101.5 KOCI. Don't go anywhere. Michael J. Duarte of NBCLA on Sports Sunday next. At Providence, we see more than a cancer patient. We see the life in you, and we have for nearly 100 years. 
Our nationally accredited cancer programs at Mission, St. Joseph and St. Jude, give you local access to world-class cancer specialists, patient navigators, and advanced technology and treatment options, where bright minds and big hearts come together. Providence Cancer Institute, Orange County. Learn more at providence.org slash cancer OC or call 866-366-7183. The Newport Harbor High School Alumni Association is dedicated to bringing our sailor family together. We're proud to record our school's rich history and our Hall of Fame. And to reach towards the future with our scholarship program, which has given $44,000 to deserving students over the past four years. We know we'll see greater need in 2021, so join our mission and be part of the fun. Find us online at newportharboralumni.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Newport Harbor Alumni. And as always... Go Sailors! At Fitzgerald's Auto Care Center, they speak hybrid when it comes to a Toyota Prius or other hybrids. There are several reasons for that triangle of death to light up on the dashboard that aren't terminal. Fitzgerald's has extensive experience with the various minor hybrid repairs, up through transmissions and inverter replacement, and even economical hybrid battery replacements. Fitzgerald's Auto Care Center on Placentia and Costa Mesa, 949-548-8877. That's 949-548-8877. And on the web, FitzAutoCare.com. You're listening to Sports Sunday with Chris Bibona and Annie O'Donnell on 101.5 KOCI. Already 4.16 on your Sunday afternoon. We are... Oh, phone just rang. All right. Perfect timing. You are live on 101.5 KOCI. Hello? Yeah, this is Michael. Oh, Michael, perfect. All right, so let's just start right here because... Oh, my God, live radio. So joining us now on the phone, I believe somewhere along the 5 freeway, Michael J. Duarte from NBCLA. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear us fine from our studio here in Orange County? Yeah, I can hear you. I have pulled over just outside of Oakland, so not on the 5 yet, but very close. Awesome. So, yeah, let's just start right there. So you've been covering this in San Francisco, covering the Dodgers in the NLDS. Start by describing the environment at Oracle Park during the first two games of the NLDS between the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Francisco Giants. Yeah, the environment was just talking to some of the local uh, San Francisco media affiliates who have covered this team throughout the season. Uh, They have actually not had a great attendance at Oracle Park. I was told they only had three sellouts the entire year, and two of those three were against the Dodgers in regular season series earlier. So it was a sellout for both games one and two of the NLDS, over 42,000 people at each game. And I will tell you, I'm used to going to Oracle Park for a regular season Dodgers-Giants matchup in this rivalry and seeing a lot of blue out there, a lot of Dodgers fans. Right. Uh, especially when Pantone 294, one of the, the traveling team fan group, you know, books thousands of seats and, and comes out and sits together and gets very loud. So for this, for the most part, from my perspective in the press box, which was behind home plate, it was just a sea of orange and black, especially with those orange towels you could see being waved above everybody's head on television <laughs> uh, with the blue kind of sprinkled in. So uh, when last night was when you really heard the Dodgers fans, they were able to drown out the beat LA chance once, once the Dodgers, you know, really started to break the game open there on Cody Bellinger's double and A.J. Pollock followed with a two-run double. That was when you really started to hear the Dodger fans come out. And uh, I will say one last thing about the environment. Great environment, great ballpark. But once the Dodgers took that 7-2 to two lead on Will Smith's home run, it was the eighth inning, and Giant fans started heading for the exit in uh, mass. So <laughs> that's, that's actually a unsightly sight that we usually designate for Dodgers fans right. at Dodger Stadium leaving early. <laughs> right. The Giants fans doing it at yeah. Oracle in game two. Got to catch the BART back to Alameda County. What can they say? <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. I had two observations, one from the wild card game and one from last night particularly, is Dave Roberts managing his pitching, specifically with taking out Max Scherzer and then Julio Urias and then going straight to the bullpen, the bullpen holding it down really well. Honestly, that's the best managing I've seen from Dave Roberts during his time as a Dodgers manager. Do you think that's a testament to him getting more comfortable in that seat or just more confidence in the bullpen this year? 
I think it's a, it's a combination of both. When you have the weapons that the Dodgers are able to deploy out of the bullpen, we could arguably say that this is like a, uh, you know, a team that has a bountiful treasure of riches as far as what's coming out of the bullpen. Joe Kelly seems to be back to his 2018 form when he was with the Boston Red Sox. The whole ride, uh he was signed to the Dodgers as a free agent altogether. Kenley right. Jansen has had a great month of September after a little bit of a rocky July and now seems to be hitting his stride. Obviously, Blake Tryon, I think, has been the Dodgers' best high-leverage reliever all season long. And now Corey Knebel, a former closer who was DFA'd, almost released by the Brewers, has also become a very high-leverage guy as we saw him pitching in last night's game in the seventh inning. So when you have that kind of luxury of riches that Dave Roberts has, then you feel a little bit better going to the bullpen, especially as you saw in that wildcard game you mentioned with him pulling Max Scherzer early and going to the bullpen and getting out of those spots. Now, of course, when it works, you look like a genius. And when it doesn't work, everybody's calling for your head. But it's worked (laughs) so far for Dave Roberts. And the one thing I'll say, and I actually asked this of Dave Roberts specifically uh, after the game, was, you know, you take Julio Rios out after just 72 pitches when he seemed to be finally hitting his stride and pitching very well. So the question to me would be, you know, are you going to potentially hold him for – Maybe a Game 5 appearance, if need be. Uh, a Game 4 could be a bullpen game. Would Julio be able to throw an inning there because he only made 72 pitches in Game 2? Right. Dave said he's not sure. He didn't want to let us know what his usage for Julio is, but it sounds like if it gets to the point where it's a Game 5, Julio would definitely be available on three days rest. Right, wow. a secret weapon there. Michael, what adjustments did you see made from the Dodgers between Game 1 of this series and then Game 2? Yeah, the biggest adjustment was just what they were doing at the plate. Now, you're going to hear two different things, one from Dave Roberts and one from the players. What Dave Roberts said after game one was that the Dodgers were uncharacteristically undisciplined at the plate. They were chasing those sliders outside of the zone. And as he described it, using a golf analogy, they went up to the plate only with a driver in hand, not their (laughs) full bag of clubs so that they needed to take out a pitching wedge for a certain situation or a three iron or a seven iron, you know, and do what the situation called for, they'd be able to. He made it sound like they went up there with a driver swinging for home runs every single time they got up there. And he did not see adjustments being made to Logan Webb changeup or slider in game one. Now in game two, obviously different kind of pitcher with Kevin Gossman, the guy who's more of a sinker, high velocity fastball pitcher, the occasional, occasional breaking ball, but, you know, they were, the Dodgers are more of a fastball-hitting team. They do well with velocity, so, and they've seen Gossman a lot this year, so they were able to handle him a little bit better. And then once they got into the bullpen there, obviously, uh, you, you saw them really start to break the game open off the Giants' bullpen. But when you talk to the players, they just tip their cap to Logan Webb and say, it wasn't that we wanted to swing outside the zone. It wasn't that we wanted to chase those sliders. It was literally because they were so filthy. They were so disguised, meaning that slider was coming in looking like a strike over the outside half of the plate and then ends up two feet off the plate that they just ended up in those situations. So they tipped their cap to him. They also said the next time they see him, if they do see him in a potential game five in this series, they believe they'll be able to make the adjustment when they face him the second time around, unlike how they were able to in that first game. But the biggest thing was just their approach at the plate As you saw, they didn't get a home run until that solo shot by Will Smith in the eighth. Uh, So they were really piecing it together in an uncharacteristic way for the Dodgers offensively, which is, you know, singles RBIs. A couple RBI singles in the second inning, two back-to-back doubles by Bellinger and Pollock out there in the the sixth. So that's really how they were able to get this game and the, the adjustments they made. Instead of swinging for the fences with that driver, they used their whole set of clubs in game two. I mean, they say that small ball wins playoff games. How can I say? Um... You talk about discipline at the plate, and the one person, one player, and I, you probably already know who I'm going to bring up that has been in the hot seat all season for performance at the plate is Cody Bellinger. But had a solid wild card game, really broke out last night as well. Do you think there's something to be said for, hey, you know, the regular season batting average, those numbers go away. This is postseason, clean slate. He has a chance to make an impact, as we, we, we know he can. Do you think there's anything about that mentally that's helping him? or has he adjusted his swing? What, are, what have you observed by watching him? Yeah, honestly, I don't necessarily give Cody Bellinger a pass just because it's the postseason for right. what he did throughout <laughs> the regular season at the plate. In fact, go check out my article on NBCLosAngeles.com from 
last night's game, too. It was all about Cody Bellinger entering the game. I think he was like two for 35 against the Giants in the regular season and postseason combined with like 25 strikeouts. So he was batting like 0.38 or zero, excuse me, 0.038 was his batting average against the Giants this season, including the, the postseason game in game one. So it's not like that's a small sample size. We have enough of a sample size against that team to know that he struggles against them. But I asked him that specifically after the game. I said, what is the reason why, you know, you struggled against Webb in game one? You struggled against Kevin Gossman in game two. But once the Giants went to the bullpen and brought in Leon, suddenly he's able to do it. And he says sometimes seeing a fresh arm, sometimes getting a different look at pitches than you're used to seeing, as Gossman was, was serving him a steady diet of breaking balls as well, helps you as a batter at the plate. When we were talking with him before the game, though, about his mechanics and what adjustments he's making, he literally said he's adjusting his batting stance, where his hand placement is, where the bat placement is, literally game by game based on the pitcher. So if a pitcher maybe is not throwing as much velocity, maybe he'll go back to his old stance that he had in the beginning of the season where he believes he can turn the bat around fast enough to catch up to some of those balls. But most pitchers this season have been attacking Bellinger with high inside velocity fastballs, 95 miles per hour and up. So if he faces a guy like that, he has to adjust his stance, open up a little bit more, so that he's able to try to turn on it when earlier in the season, with his kind of uppercut swing he's always had, he wasn't able to turn and get to those pitches. So he's making adjustments in-game, during-game, based on the pitching matchup. And that's why when the postseason happens, you know, anything can kind of happen because it just depends on the matchups that you get. And we've seen that in recent history with the Dodgers. Some guys get hot. and Some guys, you know, like A.J. Pollock, who have a good regular season, they go cold in the postseason. So it's kind of random. It's just about the pitchers you're facing. Right. In your mind, is there already a standout player from this series, Dodgers or Giants? Yeah, I would say on the Giants side, Buster Posey, even in game two, was hitting, you know, the cover off the ball, finding fighting base hit singles. So to me, Buster Posey has been the breakout guy for the Giants offensively. And then defensively, Logan Webb might have had one of the best pitching performances in the playoffs we've ever seen uh, in a long, long time. You know, probably bringing up memories of Madison Bumgarner in 2014 during that last Giants World Series run. So Logan Webb and, and Buster Posey on the San Francisco side. On the Dodgers side, you know, Julio Rios really pitched well, gave the Dodgers exactly what they needed in game two. And then obviously came out early, so that was good for him to potentially be able to pitch again in this series. But offensively, you know, really looking at, at the Dodgers, I'm going to look at Mookie Betts. Uh, you can't really count anybody on offense when you get shut out in game one. But Mookie Betts did get on base in game one, uh, tried to steal a little bit. In game two, he had that RBI single in the second inning to bring in the second run. But most of all, he had that amazing defensive play where he catches it, does a pirouette, turns on a dime, and delivers a strike to third base to get out Wilmer Flores. To me, the Giants were potentially threatening there, getting a couple runs, potentially getting closer in the game. So that play by Mookie Betts defensively really, really, really changed the the dichotomy of the game and stopped the momentum the Giants could have had there in that inning. So I'm going to look at Mookie Betts so far through this series on offense. Yeah, I completely agree. Michael, what does your gut tell you about the type of outing Max Scherzer might have in Game 3 of this series? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I will say this. Max Scherzer had his struggles against the San Diego Padres this season, but he hasn't seen the Giants a whole lot. You know, he he didn't start in that final three games uh, at San Francisco at Oracle Park in the regular season. Uh, He wasn't on the Dodgers earlier in the year before he was acquired at the trade deadline to see them when they played most of those matchups between the Dodgers and Giants. So I think Max Scherzer is going to be pitching very well. He's in a pitcher-friendly park at Dodger Stadium. He's comfortable there. I believe he's undefeated, a perfect 12-0, and uh, the Dodgers' record when he starts the game this season. Uh, and I think even though he struggled a little bit against the Cardinals there, he was able to recover and grind through enough innings. So I think he's going to pitch well in Game 3. And, you know, I'm just speculating here, but Alex Wood is a guy that the Dodgers have seen a lot. He's been on their team a lot. They faced him a couple times this season. Uh, I think Albert Pujols is going to be starting at first base, which means you're going to go a very right-handed heavy lineup. I think Corey Seager might be the only left-hander in the lineup in the two-hole. So I think they're going to do pretty well offensively against Alex Wood. I know we know Alex Wood can 
has had some games to pitch well in the playoffs, especially in that game four in the 2017 World Series uh, in Houston. But I think, I really, really think that the Dodgers offense will be able to get to Alex Wood, and I think Scherzer will pitch well in game three. I completely agree. And on that note, actually, so we assume, we hope they get a Game 3 win tomorrow. Game 4, potential to close it out at Dodger Stadium on Tuesday night. Who are you? If you're Dave Roberts, who are you putting on the mound? Truth? Yes, I want the truth. I think if, if they're ahead 2-1 in the series and you're Game 4 at Dodger Stadium with the Clowns to close it out, I think you might see a bullpen game with Corey Knable starting. Wow. I know that's crazy. I know fans are not going to like those two words. But I think they're going to try to play this, uh, what, what is best for them. And as we saw, the Giants operate a lot like the Dodgers in the sense that they platoon guys. So I would not be surprised to see the Dodgers either go with a guy like, like Knable to start game four uh, and maybe have him go lefty heavy or start a guy like David Price or Alex Bestia. Let them go an inning and a half, maybe two innings at the most, then go to Tony Gonsolin for the bulk innings, have him try to take down three to four innings, get you into those high leverage innings when you can now deploy Blake Trinan, uh, Joe Kelly, Kenley Jansen, etc. And I think that would be the game plan. That way they turn around the Giants lineup. You saw the difference in game one and game two when they were facing Walker Bueller to when they were facing Julio Urias. They put Darren Ruff in the game. Uh, they did keep Brandon Crawford in, but they put a lot of right-handed bats. Austin Slater was another one. Donovan Solano started in Game 2. So I think the Dodgers will try to get them to deploy one of those lineups, then switch to a bulk guy like Gonsolin, and then try to get Gabe Kapler to use his left-handers off the bench and really grind down that bench for the Giants. I think that's what they'll do. Uh, in Game 4 if they win Game 3. Wow, what a rundown that no was. Kidding. Michael, thank you. <laughs> he was ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for coming on our show. And it, again, I know you plugged one of your articles for NBCLA. Any other work you would like to shout out on our radio station, please do so right now. We appreciate you having on the show and hopefully get to talk to you later. But yeah, anything you want to share with us before you go? Yeah, sure. Go follow me on Twitter at Michael J. Duarte and also Instagram, same handle. Uh, read my, my articles throughout this series on NBC Los Angeles. Uh, we're sharing a lot of good stuff on there, behind the scenes, photos and videos, and also, you know, the game recaps. And, and I like to tell the story in a way that's, that's more interesting than just your blase recap. Uh, and then I got some, some podcasts out there on the Believe Podcast Network, but those are about the Lakers and the Rams. So we'll, we'll wait till those seasons get going, and you can switch over to those and, and listen to them as well. But I appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully I won't have to head back up to San Francisco <laughs> Uh, next Thursday. No, for sure. Let's hope not. <laughs> Monday, 6.30 Pacific time, game three of the NLDS between the Dodgers and Giants. Michael J. Tuarte, thank you so much for joining Sports Sunday on KOCI. I'll be following along on Twitter. Have a great Sunday, man. You guys too. Have a good show. Thanks, Drive Michael. safe. I, I don't like comparing our interviewers or like the guests we have on the show, but I will say that Michael is probably one of the most elaborate and nuanced reporters we've had and just the knowledge and off the top of his head, what he could come up with and the type of analysis he could give is almost unmatched. I, I completely agree. And I'll, I'll tell you this when uh, we first had him on the show, you said, Hey, anything LA sports is game. And I said, listen, when you tell me anything LA sports, the first thing that goes to my mind, I said, anything, <laughs> I knew I was going to throw an LA Kings question in there. So that was the first question I asked him and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And that's when I was like, all right, this dude's legit. I, I like this guy. So always a pleasure talking with him. So knowledgeable. And the fact that, I mean, I was, I've been thinking about it. I said, you know, who do you go with game four? If it's, you know, win or go home, you know, not win or go home, but you know, you have a chance to close it out at home, what you want to do, obviously who you go. And he <laughs> thought this all out. It's crazy. Yeah. Like off the top of his head, like no, yeah, nothing scripted. Like he's literally parked in probably a parking lot in Oakland after covering two games for the Dodgers. He's in the mindset of, i got to drive on the 5 freeway for about 10 hours to get back to L.A. And calls into the show and, yeah, gives us what, what just happened. So that will be on Spotify. I'm going to get that clipped up. If you want to hear that interview, if you just missed it, it will be up on our Spotify Sports Sunday on KOCI. That was Michael J. Duarte. Yeah, like all, all things L.A. sports reporter for NBC L.A. Again, he's on... Twitter, Michael J. Duarte. Great Give him a follow. follow. Yeah, he is great a great follow. follow. He gives, like, very niche, like, he will chime in and, like, give his opinion on, like, whatever's happening with the Dodgers, Lakers, whatever. So it is a good twist on that for sure. 
again, I think he will be a reoccurring guest because, and he's super humble too. Because like I, I, I get some of these guys and like they'll leave me on red or whatever, but I'm like. This is an NBC guy, literally has like an on-field pass, and he's like, I will make the time to get on. So I just really appreciate that. But I, enough on my soapbox about that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, full postseason reaction, full predictions. We did not do our bracket last week, so we're going to pick up right there. We already know how the wild card went, and some of the division series are already underway, or all of them are underway. So we will complete our brackets from there, what we have and what we know. Sports Sunday, 101.5 KOCI with Annie O'Donnell and Chris Mabona next with MLB postseason coverage. Time and time again, I hear the same question. Will I outlive my retirement money? You want to know what you can expect from your investments. My name is Scott Dahl of Dahl Capital Advisors, and I will help you position your portfolio based on your risk tolerance and goals. My objective is to help you gain perspective on your investment portfolio so you know what you can expect. Call or email for a free initial consultation. Phone 949-497-6366, DahlCapitalAdvisors.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial member FinRecipic. Commercial and residential pressure washing by Eugene is available right here in the Newport Beach area. Gutter cleaning, window washing, algae removal, and more to give your property a better look. Eugene can pressure wash anything. 949-400-3552. That's 949-400-3552. Or NewportBeachPowerPressureWashing.com. That's NewportBeachPowerPressureWashing.com. Listening to Sports Sunday with Chris Mibona and Annie O'Donnell on 101.5 KOCI. It's the home stretch here on Sports Sunday, KOCI. We just had Michael J. Duarte from NBC LA, Dodgers beat writer, and really all things LA sports. He covers some hockey, some basketball, some football, and of course baseball in the Dodgers. He's driving down. From the game, and he shared his thoughts about the series between the Giants and Dodgers. So if you missed that, again, on our Spotify Sports Sunday on KOCI, Michael J. Duarte, it will be up by tonight. You guys get that really good interview for our Dodger fans listening here. Annie, it's our turn. We get- Quick update before we get into okay. that. Did you see that the Chargers beat the Browns? No way. Final two minutes, Justin Herbert touchdown to points? win the game, 47-42. to 42. Oh my! Four touchdowns from Justin Herbert. Four throwing, one rushing. Jeez, what a guy! That's your number one. That's that's, that's your number with. one. If you in the Browns defense has been no joke. They've yeah. gotten like five sacks a game. Like they are legit and coming from behind, facing the pressure. I mean, obviously they are at home, but to evade Miles Garrett and to evade that whole defensive line and to mount a comeback with the weapons granted to you. Mike Williams has been a really good friend to Herbert recently. Obviously, Eckler and Allen have been good for him for a year and a half now, but wow, what a comeback. I was not expecting that. They were winning by, the Browns were winning by two scores at one point. That's a heartbreaking loss for Browns fans, but good news for Ravens fans. If they win tomorrow against the Indianapolis Colts in the Monday night football game, they will have first place in the AFC North. I would say you have pretty good chances. I'll take it. I will take it. And I know it's only week five, but hey, build off that momentum. I am all for it. But sorry, I had to break that news, but let's get into baseball. Let's do it. Nothing better. We got to turn back the clock a little bit because we really haven't had enough time to talk about these. So, Red Sox, they dominated the Yankees at Fenway Park, 1-6-2, eliminated the Yankees on two. That was only Tuesday. That feels like a, three weeks ago. Oh, that my wild gosh. Card, that that was, was last Tuesday. I felt so. That Giancarlo Stanton, that would have been a home run in half of the ballparks in this league. But, of course, the green monster was right there, and it's a single. And Aaron Judge, oh, that base running mistake right at home. He was out by a good four feet. Right. <laughs> so already had the ball just slamming the Yankees door shut and uh I'm sure yeah well no, I'm not sure I follow a lot of Yankees fans the disappointment was ringing but hey the Red Sox are showing out against the the Rays right now Kike Hernandez former Dodgers former Dodger man Verdugo's I, having a good series too a, oh great series which granted they the Red Sox were all remember the longest time the Red Sox thinking they were fleeced in that Mookie Betts trade meanwhile we lost two of our fan favorites and don't get me wrong Mookie is we love we, we love Mookie here but now it's good to see that these guys 
guys you know that we love so dearly are getting a lot of uh, love and respect from Red Sox faithful. 100%. And then hopping over to the National League, our Dodgers win in dramatic fashion on the, oh. off the bat of Chris Taylor, his walk-off two-run home run. They move on on a 3-1 to win on Wednesday against really arch-rival Cardinals. They've been a thorn in our back for decades and like a century almost it seems like the history behind those two teams is immense and to get the last like i like to call it the last laugh because it's it's really like a turn of an era oh for sure yeah it was such a good win and scherzer of course off of four and two thirds kind of looked disappointing in a way obviously not what he expected but bullpen did its job kept the game close and we and absolutely did their job. And for me, I, I thought it was that moment in the fourth, was it the f- fourth inning, I think? It was the fourth inning, bases were loaded, two outs. You have Trey Turner coming oh, up to yeah. bat. That man is 500 when the bases are loaded in that exact situation. This is the guy you want coming up. And, of course, he hits the ball, the bat breaks. The ball goes in the one place it would need to be to be a double play. And like, lo and behold, and right. I once that happened, I just felt so gutted. I said, uh, that's that's. That's a play that it, that could be the game. That could right. be the moment. Hundred percent. But luckily, the Dodgers they the bullpen held it down. The offense uh, finally. I mean, Chris Taylor coming in to pinch hit, of course, and getting it done. That was I, I st- out of body experience. That happening. I was so I have um as you uh, you guys can't see in the studio, but um earlier b- last week before uh, the playoff before the postseason began, uh, Dodgers Nation. Uh, we've had Brooke Smith, uh, who's one of the writers there on the show, posted a picture of these Dodgers prayer candles and I am a very superstitious person I'm a very religious person so I saw these I said oh I gotta have these especially when it comes to the Dodgers I have eight prayer candles of individual Dodgers that I have been lighting and I brought Max Scherzer and Mookie Betts into the studio with us today just to set the mood and get the get the good vibes and energy going I was walking in I was thinking either this is going to be great or Chris is going to think I'm absolutely insane (laughs) he's going to change the locks on me I'm not gonna you know this will be my last show but uh so far he's still I'm still here I'm still talking and uh no I love them they're great I like it's like a saging, but it's like a surgering. Surge, I, I, I want to try like pun that, but oh my, like they're so cool. They and, are and cool. So well you designed. Have, like, you have too. such a huge collection of it too. Like get it, you got to get the 25 min rust. That has to be the oh, goal, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been in contact with uh, the, the shop owner and I ask, yo, when are you getting more players? I need a Walker Bueller one really bad because my man needs it. Uh, but I had a Julio one that was lit for the game last night. I got Chris Taylor. I was holding it in my hand when he walked up in the wild card game. But I love the postseason. Um, it's absolutely nerve-wracking, but it's one of those moments where, you know, some of the best moments that you remember for the rest of your life are born. Your anxiety is off the charts. You're an emotional wreck, but it really brings out you're crazy. Like, you're willing to do so many things. You're willing to wear the same shirt over and over again without washing it. You're willing to eat the same thing. It's, absolutely. It really brings out your inner just radical fan and I as even though I hate it when it's us going through it I absolutely live for it and I look forward to it every October and it was funny seeing a lot of people talk about on I know we got to get into the actual baseball but real quick it was funny to see you know everybody tweeting during the wild card game oh this is such a great game this is awesome I'm so glad I have no stake in this meanwhile I am an absolute wreck. I was like, yeah, I, 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 this, it would be a great game if I wasn't on the end of this. Like, geez, it yeah. was, um, it was absolutely nuts. But those, like I said, those are the moments you live for. And uh, hopefully 100%. we get a lot more moments uh, in the weeks to come. Yeah. And on just on that note, I think back of the things I did and I, I'll say it just, I, I'm a new person now, but 2017 game, <laughs> I'm a new person. game, game five yeah, no, of 2017 was... World Series. Dodger fans know that right off the bat, but bottom of the eighth is what did, what did it for me. Carlos Correa, what should be a routine fly ball in 31 other ballparks. It's a home run in that left field. And I just, I ran into my room and I was so mad. I just kicked a hole in my wall. And my, my, my parents, like, wanted to kill me, and, like, I had to buy, like, the stucco and, fi- like, seal the hole myself. You fixed it yourself? I fixed it myself, Aww. so I, I, I paid my dues in did, some, way, some form. But, no, nowadays I just pace, like, um, my kitchen is kind of separated from the rest of the house. So, like, there's the living room and kitchen right next to it, and 
I kind of like pace, I pace around just in circles over and over again and like check the TV every pitch and like I have like a wiffle ball bat and I'll like just like, <laughs> just like hammer down on like the couch, like I'll pad it with some blankets. Ball yeah, bat. yeah, like, like some pillows and some blankets and I'll just like as hard as I can, just like why Trey Turner? Why'd you have to grab into a double play? <laughs> have you heard at Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, they have a rage room? That's so good. The fans can go in and they have just things you can just smash and break. And I said, every, every fan base needs. That that right. needs to be in every stadium, every ballpark. But uh, <laughs> wiffle ball. It's the pack. best release. Just oh, I, I I thought you were like trying to mimic them. You're like okay, well that too. <laughs> but then it then it like, obviously escalates. You're like trying good energy. Let's go. Nice follow through. It's like imp- <laughs> twist like, the hips. Yeah, it's all like, in the hips. Doing like the Bellinger swing, just get getting loose, and then he strikes out, and then you just get super frustrated and let it out on the couch. Um, but okay. <laughs> Let's recap. We'll recap the division series games, and from there, once we get the context, how they're going, we'll f- complete our brackets because we're we're cheating a little bit. They've already been underway, but we'll go from there. That is going to be next on Sports Sunday 101.5 KOCI. Very quick break. We'll be back. Complete postseason predictions next. Then we'll get right into our Dodgers. Talk about in depth that division series between the Giants and Dodgers for the first time on the team's history. Next. The Newport Harbor High School Alumni Association is here to connect you to the people, places, and memories you love most about our school. Find us online at newportharboralumni.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Newport Harbor Alumni. And, as always, go Sailors! Harbor All Glass and Mirror in Costa Mesa has complete glass and glazing, residential, commercial, mall, and marine needs. Their business has been built on quality products and outstanding service. They service all of Orange County. Harbor All Glass and Mirror is on the web at harborallglass.com. Your road to success starts with Toastmasters. Advance your career and achieve personal growth by becoming a member of Toastmasters. Find the power within you by building your leadership and communication skills. Find a club today to give you the support and encouragement to lead your better life, to build a better you. Make your success happen. Start your journey at Toastmasters.org and find a club today. You're listening to Sports Sunday with Chris Bibona and Annie O'Donnell on 101.5 KOCI. Last segment of the day on Sports Sunday 101.5 KOCI. We are doing MLB postseason brackets. Annie, let's just fire it off. We'll start with our favorites here because I think we already know how it's going to go with the division series, of course, and then the National League. Dodgers, I, I'm just going to go on a limb, say Dodgers win in four. They never go back to Oracle. Michael J. Duarte doesn't have to take the five freeway back up to San Francisco. <laughs> we save him that trip, some gas money to... Also, just side note, but I just can't believe that NBC would make him drive. I know they have the f- capability to get a plane ticket to from LAX to San Francisco, but he has to make the drive. So I commend him for doing that and the dedication to the art, the art of journalism there. But anyway, I'll take the, the Dodgers over the Giants. And I really think, I will admit, I was wrong. I think that, I thought that the Brewers were going to make quick work of the Braves, but that is not the case. No. They have Max Fried dealt yesterday, tied the series up one-to-one. It could go either way, in my opinion. Now it's just it's a best of three. And I, I'll still stick with my gut, even though I will admit I it wasn't. it's not going to be as much as a blowout, but Brewers advanced to the championship series for the second time in this is four years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they'll play the Dodgers in a rematch there, and then I'll – throw it over to you um at the start of this series i did say dodgers in five just because i think it's going to be a hard-fought series but i think with max scherzer going tomorrow and uh you know michael spoke it really well i like the alex wood matchup i've never been high on alex wood even when he was a dodger so he had his moments yes but for the most part i just it wasn't impressive to me it really wasn't so i like the offense they're comfortable with him they know him very well i think they're going to show out again tomorrow and then it's all about that game four man and uh you know bullpen games give me so much anxiety that's going to be a stressful one and you know we don't you don't want to go back to oracle park 
at all. But if we need to, obviously, if things don't go our way. But I am going to speak it into existence as well and say Dodgers close it out at home on Tuesday night in four. Mm-hmm. And then for the Brewers and the Braves, this one, I just want it to go to five. I really do. Stretch it out. Tire them out. I still think that whoever comes out of this series will beat whoever comes out of the Braves-Brewers series. I'm confident in that. But I like what I saw out of the Brewers yesterday. I, yes, yeah, yeah. There was a no Braves. Braves won game two. That's right. That's right. Was, I liked what I saw out of the Brewers on Monday, but you know the Braves, like you said, they're not going to go down easy. But I, I completely agree with you. I think the Bra- the Brewers, excuse me, too many BRs here. <laughs> I think the Brewers take them down in five games. Right. And so, yeah, it was two really tight games on that side of the bracket. Rowdy Tellez, kind of a no-name guy with all due respect, two-run home run to put Milwaukee up 2-1 to one. in Game 1. They won that. And then Game 2, Max Fried balled out. Braves blanked the Brewers 3-0, to zero, evening up the series. Really could go either way. but move. And then we'll go to the AL and then do our championships from that side. I think, man, the Red Sox have been hot. The Bats have been hot. I think that the... The Rays really play a type of baseball where you want to play from ahead. If pin game, it really is not to your benefit if you're losing the whole time. And so I think the by the Red Sox tying up that series and the offense staying hot, kind of neutralizing what the Rays bats can do. We're in extra innings right now. Oh, there. four four. And okay, and this is game three. Game three, yeah. So and it's four, in Boston, four. right? And so they have home field advantage. So really pending that because I remember there's one segment that really stuck out to me on a broadcast it was Alex Rodriguez talking about his former manager and it was Joe Girardi saying the game three is the most like I don't care what happens in the series but in a in a one-to-one series winning game three whoever wins that wins the series it's just so much momentum and then just to flip that because you got to think a game at a time so in the division series if you're tied one-to-one that best of five is just the best of three and now you're you have the home field advantage if you're the away team. So like in the case of like the Dodgers, for example, you go back to Dodger Stadium one to one, you have the advantage and you have Max Scherzer really an ace pitching. And for the Red Sox, it's tied one to one right now. You come back to Fenway, you have the home field advantage in I think what the player's mindset is is the game to game process because now you have yeah, you just gotta win the game in front of you and it's an even series. So Red Sox offense very hot. Rays, we'll see. I think it really whoever wins this game is going to win the series. It's just going up two to one in the division series is a big, big deal. And even though it's in Fenway, Rays have just been too good. Wow, this is the hardest one. This is the, this is the hardest one to determine with what's happening right now. But right. I will just go out on a limb and say the Red Sox. I'm going to go Sox to two. I think, especially if they win in this game, you get one more game in front of your home crowd tomorrow. I think they ride that momentum. I really do. And uh, props to Kike Hernandez, props to Alex Verdugo that are showing out, stepping up. I still, as much as I I cherish Alex Cora and his time as a Dodger, uh, you know, he did, he paid his time for uh, his involvement in the Astros whole ordeal. But um, I'm I'm Red Sox in four. I'm going to go Red Sox in four. That's a, I know that's a, I, it's hard to believe that they're going to go that the Rays would go down three straight, but I I don't know. I like what the Red Sox have going here. I think they really could build off of it. And speaking of, did you see that home run? Yeah, was it in Game Two where the fan reached over and caught the ball and they reviewed it, but they didn't call it back. Ooh. But he definitely reached over. So you think so? All definitely right. reached over. Yeah, it was, which poor guy. I mean, the, the TV people were zooming in on him. It was like Steve Bartman yeah, all it was over. Guilt, like, I saw it. it was like the guilt on his face once he, he saw he his was, own. His life flashed before his right. eyes. He, oh God, like just praying that it would get, wouldn't get called back. But he definitely reached over. No, hundred percent. Okay, I think easiest one. Bill Perkins of Top Fan Rivalry actually thought that the White Sox would make it to the World Series. And I was like, man, the Astros are going to sweep them like it's nothing. And that is how the series has gone so far. They're traveling back. Or I th- they, they played a night, but they traveled back to Chicago. And I think that the Houston Astros take care of business and sweep the, the White Sox and Tony La Russa. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. You know, there's a lot of doubt amongst the White Sox, especially this year, given the division that they play in and their poor record against teams below 500. And I think that's starting to show here, not to mention in their nine to four loss in game two, they had 11 hits, but all of them were singles. 
Like, things are just not clicking for these guys right now, and they're not able to bring... They only brought two of 11 guys in that were in scoring position. Like, it just... This offense just needs to get together. Maybe being in front of their home crowd will help a little bit, but um, obviously this is a winner-go-home game. They need to absolutely change the narrative here. I'm not sure how much of this falls on Tony Larusa. maybe a little bit, but, uh, I mean, if uh, at this point, it's the bats. I mean, you, no. can't, you can't win off singles. <laughs> no, I completely agree. It's been the, the Chicago White Sox pitching just is no match for the Astros' offense. Jordan Alvarez having a great series, three hits, three RBIs, and three walks through two games. I think they make quick work of them. The only way I see Chicago digging themselves out of this hole is maybe through the pitching, having the starters go a long distance because the Astros really don't have the, the starting pitching depth that the White Sox have. They don't. But if you just can't score the runs and you can't get support for your pitchers and you opt for the bullpen early, there's just no way you're, you're going to come right. back, win three in a row because that's what they have to do. We'll take the the Astros facing. So you, right now we have Astros, Red Sox, Dodgers, Milwaukee. Yes. For both of us. Astros, Red Sox, and then Milwaukee Dodgers. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So narrowing it down from there, I think the Dodgers. We get a World Series yeah. rematch either right. way. Right. I know. I thought about that too. Like every and every single yeah every single team in the playoff race we faced in the World Series at some point. Correct. So it's just that's just crazy. That's when a league is around for a hundred years, that'll happen. But yeah. yeah, we'll get it no matter what. But I think Dodgers, Brewers, we saw it in the last. I, we thought that that last series of the year was going to be the toughest so far, but we swept the Brewers, and it was against good pitching. Right. We faced Corbin Burns, and we still got the sweep. I think playoff in a in a best of seven, you have some insurance, some games you could drop theoretically. The Dodgers are the better team, and they would beat the Brewers in my bracket. Oh, I completely agree. There we go. You spoke it well. All right. You want to start with AL then? AL, this one was tough for me. Um, I think this could go either way. You have two very talented teams here. It's all about, You got a best of seven series here. I think it's all about who holds it down the most pitching. Because who would have home? Correct it's me. It's the Astros. Home, the Astros would have home field. Because they won the event. division. Correct. Yeah. Which, but the Dodgers would have home field next series, wouldn't they? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Because they had the yeah. better record, I'm not uh, sure. I don't know if it's by record or by seeding. Because eh, no, we'll the, see. yeah, because the, the Dodgers are the lower seed than the, the Brewers. Okay. So I think that that's sense. how it works. Okay, and regardless, I mean, if the Red Sox can keep it going with this offense, I think they stand a chance here. But I mean, as much as it pains me, you got to give credit to the Astros where credit is due. I do think the Astros make it out of this series. Do I think it's? I think it won't be a sweep. They won't have as easy a time as they did against the White Sox. <laughs> they get the White Sox and then the Red Sox. <laughs> But uh, I do think it'll be a six or seven game series. I see the Red Sox stealing uh, one or two games, but I uh, hopefully it's a seven game series and they get tired out. But I see it being a, a pretty not easy, but a, a, a tolerable uh, path to the World Series again for the Astros. So same frame of mind. We're going with the 2017 World Series rematch because I think the Astros will make it to the World Series. They they I respect the. F- the fact that they've been able to take the negative energy and use that to their success. They've been able to roll with that. The offense has been amazing. They have guys stepping up. Like Yuli Gurriel, I think he led the AL in batting average. Like Who would have thought that? Michael Brantley, mode of consistency, hitting over 300 as well. Obviously, you have that core of Correa and then Altuve. They lost Springer. didn't really matter much. They won the division. Easy division, in my opinion. They're going to they're gonna make it back to the World Series. And so that's their third appearance since 2017, would Correct, be yeah. theoretically, yeah. and then Dodger rematch. And I hate to think of it this way because I know it's not how it works, but I think that people would kind of have a collectivist like frame of mind when it comes to this scenario. But if the Astros were to theoretically beat the Dodgers in the World Series this year, it kind of negates 2017 a little bit. I'm careful with how I'm phrasing it because I think people would say, oh, they beat them fair and square in 2021. That means that 2017 they would have won like without with or without cheating. But I see that as like a super negative drawback. That's for, not at for, all the case. Yeah, but it's not, not at the all case, the case. But the Dodgers winning would just be relief. For oh, me. absolutely. Especially in a full 162 game season. I completely agree. And that's the way you want it to go. But yeah, no one should be saying, comparing it at all to 2017, you got two very different rosters to so a lot has happened between the two franchises, not to mention a Dodgers World Series. So, I mean, it'll be, uh, you know, Rob Manfred is either, he's probably licking his lips at the thought of the media revenue, but also running 
for cover in his bunker because you know a lot's gonna come back yeah. <laughs> gonna come back up from that cheating scandal and how he handled it but um i i think that's an easy easy i mean i'm i'm not picking anybody but the dodgers so no nah, you, you just can't yeah and we can't get Yankees Dodgers for that's like what I was trying time. to get. I yeah, like, was, so I wanted a wild card for the last, World Series like, for the last here. Decade. I really did. For the last decade, we've won Yankees Dodgers. I know. But, we'll get it. We'll get it. The Yankees need to figure their stuff out. But right. um, and real quick before we end the show, uh, which we ended the show last week when you brought up my hottest Dodger bracket and completely, completely criticized and roasted my taste in men for all of Orange County to hear. <laughs> that's which is fine. I that's, just had to do it. That's cool. But um, I do want to talk a little bit more about the great cause that was behind that bracket. Uh, Dodgers fan. McKenna Martin on Twitter. She has been putting this bracket out for Dodgers fans on Twitter for the last four seasons. What started out as her doing it for her friends really grew a lot in popularity and this year she decided to make it a charitable effort in light of the Trevor Bauer allegations from this season. It was She paired it with a raffle with at least $5 for various prizes like a Fanatics gift card, a Justin Turner Chia pet, and all proceeds go to the East Los Angeles Women's Center which is the leading voice and advocate for survivors and their families affected by sexual domestic and intimate partner violence just an such a fun activity to do amongst the fans but such a great cause and one that really struck a chord with a lot of fans this season so props to mckenna thank you so much for putting that awesome game together for everybody and she actually raised over fifteen hundred dollars and the ela agreed to match her so it's even more of a great donation so if you guys are looking for anywhere to contribute with the holiday season just upon us think please consider the east los angeles women's center uh just in light especially if you are a dodgers fan um great cause and i love the work they're doing and absolute props to mckenna martin 100 percent. thank you so much for sharing that i had no idea when we did that so you gotta give credit where it's due, and obviously shout them out. So I think that is such yeah, a fun idea. I, I absolutely love it, and I love the tie to it, the charity effort tied behind it. One hundred percent. All right, yeah, we do have to end the show right now, but I just want to shoot off a couple things. I think the game of the week will be Game Three of the National League Division Series between the Dodgers and Giants. That is going to be Monday, six thirty-seven p.m. Alex Wood versus Max Scherzer for the series advantage. The Dodgers are improving. I think between game one where they had 11 strikeouts, only five hits and no walks game two, it was not only nine strikeouts, 11 hits, and they draw four walks in that series. So game three, it's going to mean a lot. I think whoever wins that pretty much is going to win the series because it's going to put the Dodgers in a tough situation between who they're going to pitch for game four and the high leverage. Do you go Bueller on short rest or do you go bullpen game? Obviously, Duarte gave his opinion on that, so I think I'll roll with him because he knows it better than anyone, it seems yeah. like. But, <laughs> yeah, that's his Sports Sunday on 101.5 KOCI. If you missed any part of the episode, whether it was the fantasy football fix with Sam Holt or Michael J. Duarte's interview about the Dodgers and their series with the Giants, you could find everything, the interview separate or the whole show, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows, your podcast, your music. We are on there. Sports Sunday on KOCI. I'm on social media at, at Chris Bibona, C-H-R-A-S-B-I-B-O-N-A. And Annie is on social media as Sweet Annie O-D. For Annie and for Chris Bibona, this is Sports Sunday on KOCI. We'll be back same time, same place by next week. The division series will be over for both Oof. leagues. We'll know are the Dodgers' fate. Will they be playing either the Braves or the Brewers, or are they going to be sitting on their couch watching their arch-rival Giants make another postseason run? Ugh. Who knows? Ugh, no. Next week, week six of the NFL season, and then also MLB postseason. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>